This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're talking television today. We're recording this in um, Network 10's Sydney headquarters. We're going to be talking about Five Bedrooms. It's a new Aussie drama starting on 10 very shortly. I'm lucky enough to have the two writers, Michael Lucas and Christine Bartlett. Welcome, team. Thank Thank you. you. Great to be here. Lovely to be here. Now, of course, we're going to hear about all things Five Bedrooms. We're going to explore a little bit about writing for television and Mm -hmm. talk about some of the other projects you've been on. But you two have done a lot of work together as colleagues. We have. Just tell us, how did you first meet? What was the first project you worked on? Well, actually, we met at a sort of Screen Australia feature script workshop week. Uh, We both had... Yeah, 10 days. Week. I keep saying week. It was much like... It was... We got along so well, it it just felt so fast to me. I feel very fast. Uh, We both had feature projects in there, and we sort of had the two more comedic features, I would say. We had the best ones, I think. (laughs) (laughs) No, we didn't. But but we did, we certainly found each other uh, across a crowded table, and uh, it was pretty magical for me. Yes, no, for me, the same. And uh, we we sort of, I feel like we peeled off at the back of that um, workshop and just made each other laugh for most of the week or the 10 days I should say (laughs) and then I at the time was working on Offspring and we were going into a second season and I thought Christine had the perfect voice for it so I suggested her to John Edwards and Imogen Banks and they they agreed (laughs) and then we were together on that for years and then and all sorts of other things as well and party tricks yeah highlight for me yeah and And wrong girl yeah and some other stuff maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've really, I've drawn the long straw. Mike's drawn the short straw. I just basically ride his coattails. Whatever, <laughs> That's not yeah, true Whatever at all. he's doing, I just say, oh, sign me up. <laughs> because it's good to have someone so modest on the, um, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's not what it is. It's <laughs> reporting the facts. My mum's already repeatedly thanked Michael for my career. Yeah. And, that yeah, actually is true. I'm not true. saying it's warranted, <laughs> but I get regular thank yous from it Christine's is. mother. You know, it is. We appreciate you. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the Five Bedrooms project. Now, did you create this? Yes. As creators and writers? Yeah. Um, yeah. We. It was a, sort of based on an idea that has been uh, something that we've talked about legitimately in our real lives for a while because when we met, neither of us uh, was in the real estate market. One of us is still not <laughs> in the real estate market. And so we used to joke about... It wasn't a joke, actually. We used to legitimately talk about maybe we could get a group of people together and, and buy the commune, as we put the it. The commune, yeah. And Mike was going to cop a kid, because I've got a kid. Yeah. So he would have, again, got oh, the short straw. I know, you're beautiful, man. And then, and then we, I was meeting with Hoodlum, Nathan Mayfield and, and Tracy Robinson at Hoodlum, and they had an idea... Um, about long-term singles, which appealed to me. And, and me. And I instantly sort of thought, well, maybe we'd marry the two, a group of long-term singles, meeting on the on the uh, singles table at a wedding, and that's where this idea for to buy a group house is generated. And... Um, and so we sort of yeah put those two ideas together and then and then Made magic. off we went. Yeah. <laughs> well, that remains no, to be said. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. No, but that that's exactly right. He's telling the truth. So, who was involved in pitching it to ten? Did, uh, what? That's a good. And yeah, and were the, did you pitch it elsewhere too? I should ask. I guess. I yes, mm. I think it's fair to say that it, that uh, that it, ten wasn't the only people that clapped eyes on it. But I mean, ten is a pretty 
natural home for it. Oh, and obviously we've fantastic. got a long history with Ten. Yeah. But I think it was Tracy Robertson yes. who um, I think I think Rick Mayer at Ten was aware of the existence of the project and Sarah Richardson, his executive as well, was certainly aware of it because we've worked with her a lot. And they were asking Tracy about it. And, and by that stage, we actually had quite a few scripts, Indeed. which is always uh, um, a huge Indeed. asset because means that if they fall in love with it, they're falling in love with what it actually is as opposed to falling in love with a the pitch projection. that they love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They knew what they were getting in for. Or did they? Oh, they <laughs> did. They really did. And that was and they and they've been just fantastically supportive of the project from mm. the minute mm. that we stepped in the door, really. We, yeah. We couldn't have asked for more support. It's been fantastic. So tell me, so doing scripts um, for a show before it's commissioned, is that a little bit harder because you're thinking the back of your mind, gee, is this ever going to get used? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of. It's kind of liberating in a way. Does it drive you knowing it's more likely to get bought if you do that? Look, I think as long as someone's paying you, you're yeah, just so <laughs> you're just yeah. so happy to you be writing care. for money <laughs> at all. It's so true. It really is. I yeah, um, but it's also it's almost a little bit liberating as well in the sense that you know no one's going to see it anyway. So <laughs> let's just have a good time. <laughs> it, it does mean that yeah, the two advantages are you can really just sort of let the show find its own voice. I have to say I would prefer that rather than rather than you know going in and handing in a great one page or just doing a great verbal pitch and then often what I find in those situations is that you end up submitting drafts and it turns out what they loved about what you said and what you loved about what you said are actually completely different things. Yeah. Whereas if if a network's commissioned off, in this case, it was actually four, four episodes, scripts. which was half the series. So there really was no mystery about what we were... We were all on the same page right from the start, yeah. basically. And the, the... So you had the scripts, you had the production house. Do you ever... And in this case, did you get involved in any of the casting? Oh, we... Did, we delightfully did. so, yes. And is that always the case or not necessarily? For us, no. Well, we're um, EPs on it as well and, um, and uh, you know, creators and EPs, so it was always sort of the understanding that we'd be heavily involved in all of those. Our stinky little fingers in the pie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it was really, particularly with Five Bedrooms, because it's not, a, you know, a hero's journey so much as an ensemble where we really are looking at five different characters and the chemistry between all five was a particularly difficult mm. thing to get right, just the balance of it. And that was that was probably the most challenging part of the process and why it was such a... It was tricky because we're so in love with these characters and we so desperately wanted to mm. bring them to life in a way that felt true to them and we, we struck gold, really. We did. We but we also we were, we were kind of at the heart of the casting because the first person aboard was Cat Stewart and we were her... We've got a long history of writing. Um, after Offspring, I was very keen to work with her again. We often talked about things. And, and indeed, there's a few things that we both were in development with, with Kat. Yeah, we were too. And so when she jumped on board, I, I think it's fair to say it was... Oh, well, she had scripts that she read, but also it was the idea of collaborating with us again. I don't think it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it probably... Hopefully. Well, it was certainly that for us, wasn't it? She, yeah. was, she was a magnificent first piece of the puzzle to lock in. Not least because she attracts other cast as well. Once yeah, if sure. people know that she's aboard, then they think, mm, maybe Can't it's not going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, you, you were writing her part, really, in... 
She very much already existed on the page. Yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah, Liz. But once Kat was cast, in fact, once they're all cast, you do... And that happened, obviously, earlier on, so we were still drafting the later episodes well and truly. And you do start to write to the strength of the actors. You write to their voice. You write... It's it's kind of... Not that Kat has any weaknesses, and that's... (laughs) But she really doesn't. You could give her anything, she'd turn into gold. In fact, she she makes us look so much better than we are. They all do. Yeah. It's... In actual fact, with Kat, uh, there was talk of her being involved and and there were actually, uh, to begin with, it was uncertain whether it might be for the Doris Yunane character or for the character of Liz that she does play. But we always felt very firmly yes. that she would bring magic to Liz because Liz is a sort of a Blue Jasmine-esque character who's had a fall from grace and comes from a very privileged background and um, sort of the kind of character that that is not... N- n- the most sympathetic necessarily. No, but don't in the mix. tell Kat that. No, well, the reason is that <laughs> she's, she's, <laughs> she's, she's, she's her superpower is she can make unsympathetic characters that's uh, amazingly compelling and empathetic and so watchable. She's really incredible at that. And so much warmth that she, even though some of the things that Liz is doing over the course of the season are a little bit, I mean, I wouldn't say questionable, but I just did. <laughs> um, and she's, she's just has this extraordinary magic to her that there's nothing she can't do that you mm. I mean, I, I'm not going to walk away from that relationship I'm just I'm, I'm fairly heavily, yeah. heavily involved yes. she's um, she's amazing mm. can it be dangerous at all if you write with a particular actor in mind mm. and then for whatever reason they're not available or the network doesn't want them or they don't want uh, to do it we've never I, I've never really had that done that no, no. well even in this one we we yeah, we still yeah. already had the scripts okay. going so i yeah, i'm trying to think if i've had a time when we've really written for someone and then they've oh. <laughs> no no not that we can say no yeah. yeah so you'd always envisage that there'd be a number of people who could who could fill yes. the role yeah yes yeah. well that age band of, oh. of Spoilt for riches. Yeah, I mean, there's. Just, I mean, the crop of actresses, um, you know, yeah, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, so we were pretty confident with with that character that we were that we were gonna there was gonna be some riches out there. Much less so with a lot of the other. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was very. Um, yeah, we really were very very lucky across the board mm. in terms of with Doris playing Heather. She's a she's a fruity character. There's no doubt about it. Right. Um, and. Yeah, Heather's just... Doris just brought a gravitas and a lightness of touch all at once that's just extraordinary. That It's really exceeded all of our expectations, really. The mm, And now, certainly, it's unthinkable. You always hit this point where you mm. suddenly realise, oh, my God, imagine if anyone else had been <laughs> cast in these roles. It just is impossible to imagine any other combination. Totally. Except... For, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've neglected to ask you... It. When we started on Five Bedrooms, how long has this sort of been in gestation? Yeah, because these things take a long yeah, time. Yeah, right? they do. Um, really, the kickoff was actually 2015. Wow, mm. um, that was sort of the initial um, pitch process. Development. And yeah. yeah, yeah, and then, but I mean, there were a lot. It's not like we were working on it consistently. You know? No. No. We would develop a couple of scripts and then go away and then regroup with notes and. But it it was a. You know, it was a it was an evolving process. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it changed quite dramatically mm. over the course of that development too. But for me, again, kind of preferable because 
you'd step away, work on other things, and, and we both had a lot of other projects on the go, and then you come back and you're fresh and you suddenly you realise, oh, that didn't work, let's get rid of that, let's change, let's, let's make the story move faster. Yes. I, I'd, I'd prefer <laughs> that than other instances I've had where a show has been commissioned, you know, gone into production when there's only one script existing and you... you know, oh, yeah, the horror. Yeah, and you all of a sudden you're in production and realising the story's not coming together. Whereas with this one, we had plenty of time to sort of go back and... Yeah, it was pretty luxurious, really, yeah. in the end. Having those four scripts coming into the into the pre-production was yeah. a gift. Yeah. For the, and for the production If we get a second too. season, that won't be the case. That won't be the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be frantic mm. and very disorienting. Yeah. Yep. So, so, okay, so you had the scripts. Now tell us about the... Do you have similar styles when you write, do you, or do you, do you sort of? Um, we do now. <laughs> do you, We've do you thrive on deadlines? Are you either of you procrastinators? I think I'm a much bigger procrastinator <laughs> than my husband, um, my professional husband. Yes. Um, he's fantastic. He's just. I mean, there's a reason that I hitch my wagon to him. He's just unstoppable and brilliant at turning around massive uh, structural story concerns in the blink of an eye. I'm better at just kind of turning up and cracking a few funnies. <laughs> Christine and brings, as you can probably tell from this interview, a really distinctive and funny and soulful Embarrassing, voice. yes. Yeah, to, we're, we're calling it authentic. But we did actually, we wrote this in a different way to uh, any other um, project that we've worked on together because uh, I had been um, working with Celia Piccola and Luke McGregor on Rose Haven, and, um, which I script produced uh, for them and and they co-write in this really unique way where they would sort of basically improvise the scenes together and it just led to this great dialogue and vivid characters and I was quite keen, I've never written in that way before and I was quite keen to try it with this process, especially early on to just sort of build the characters and I had a feeling that Christine might be an excellent partner in crime. Oh, so damn. And so we attempted it. We just basically started at the opening sequence at the wedding and then we're roaming around Christine's lounge room it's pretending beautiful. to be the characters. And we stuck with that the whole way through. Um, we did bring on another writer, Matilda Gupta. Yes. But um, but generally, even with her, we would we would basically improvise the scenes and... Okay. Spitball them and yeah. get a sense of the shape and a couple of hairy one-liners and, um, mm. and it's, it's just a ridiculous amount of fun, really. Yeah. To just spitball and, and we're, we're just cracking each other up. Yeah, that's, the, that's um, the goal. And we were, you know, often... To begin with, some people would gravitate... Christine would gravitate towards some characters and me others, but then as the process went on, we just would flip back and we forth. We have merged. Forth. We've yes. become just the one person. We can't remember who wrote what line. We'll quite, yeah. I, I quite often, I'll say, that's a cracker, mate. What a, what a great line. And he'll, that was one of yours. Oh. <laughs> and then the other way, much more often. <laughs> so tell me, when you're doing that, doing some of the, mm. the acting out, mm. does, is one person delegated with getting it all down? We, or do you tape it and record it? What, what's no, we actually process? we have a... Um, we had a script coordinator. Yes. Well, we've actually had various note takers, but there's there's a poor little <laughs> poor delightful bugger. monkey who yeah. sits there tapping away. Because yeah. that's important, right? Because yeah. you're, you're not going to remember half the Hell stuff, no. are you? I no. Can, I can't remember what we started <laughs> off with this interview. I'm terrible. And our script co-ord was a, as a emerging writer um, called Alex Duncan, and he was he was basically like a court reporter. He, he was really like, was. <laughs> stenographer. Yeah. He yeah. would literally get down word for word, mm. and sometimes it was dreadful. What it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were saying some of the things that we said. It was appalling. Mm. We'd have remember the casting chats early on. <laughs> oh, oh, that's terrible. Right. Yeah, sometimes he <laughs> sometimes he would keep 
transcribing everything we were saying after the improvisations just into <laughs> And it into our it was, not a, it was not a pleasing yeah. window into no, ourselves. It wasn't a highlight, yeah. So do you have to remind yourself at times, actually, we're trying to get something done here, not, not just have fun and yeah. go down oh, a rabbit hole or no, something? No, he's or? really good at that. Yeah. I'm dreadful. Okay. I'll just pick up and do a victory lap in the middle of the day for no reason. <laughs> and he keeps me... 11.30am, we could stop now. Yeah, I feel like we've got a fair bit down, and I'm peckish. <laughs> Let's just... It's, he, no, he's, he's excellent. He's yeah, the grown-up. Yeah, I crack up. the whip, for sure. Yep. Yeah. He's the grown-up. What about when you're riding individually, like you're apart? I mean, have you got a system or anything? Or do you, do you get up early and knock it off? Or do you do you work, you know, office hours? Uh, or yeah, I have learned over time to um, go with office hours. When I first began, I would ride at all hours and I quickly realised you'd burn That's out. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so now I'm pretty strict. The morning's the best time and no matter how much you feel as though you should keep working after dinner I make myself stop because you just burn out and also then you read over what you did late at night and it's hate terrible it. Hate, yeah. it. hate it I'm a little bit different because I have a teenager and a dog so early early mornings is not a good time for me because I'm just struggling just to keep my will to live until yeah. the kids gone to school um, but but it is the early mornings is definitely better. But it certainly bleeds into the evenings yeah. more often. Mm. Than so I. so treat it like a job is one of the keys. Oh my word! And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You don't um, get a choice. Writer's block so. doesn't exist when you're invoicing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a privilege you can't afford. Or when they're just about to shoot. Yes. Oh uh, my god. They're, they're the best ones, aren't they? Yeah. When it's just just give us a line. <laughs> oh for God's sake! This is the one you're going to go with. <laughs> Let me think about it for a minute. It does get. Pretty scary. Yeah, I must admit, it just, you sort of, I've, uh, there's just no time to worry about it. That's true. Um, that is true. So you just, basically it's more a case of you just, you just have to get something down and let, let it not be perfect. Yes. Sometimes rather than, because I mean, there's just no option to deliver nothing. So we can't, we don't really, can't really hit the wall of writer's block ever. Can't. It's, it's um, a luxury we can't afford anymore. Mm. The, um. When you're when you're working on a program, and I mean, you, I'll ask you, how interested are you in the ratings? And I I ask that because you guys have to make a living, I guess. Mm. So you need to write stuff that people are going to want to watch. Mm. Yeah. Do, is there sort of any science to looking at what is popular and trying to keep? <sighs> not, not really, Jen. I mean, this is probably not the right answer, but it's <laughs> it's the honest one. I, for me, and particularly with Mike and I on this one. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the convenience of the premise, which is something that's a you know, constant pool of new story material, and it's a it's a real advantage in in that way. But it's also it's it's telling stories that we think are real that we and they're all coming from places in our we mine each other's lives and our owns in our owns. Yeah, you mm. know what I mean. Um, in ways that are really pretty confronting <laughs> right. for lots of people. But there's no. I mean, we're married. There's no. There's no secrets between mm. us, um, but it is, it's 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 taxing. But it's also we're, yeah, we're never sitting there going, "What will rate?" Really, never. I mean, obviously, we want. Never. You're very very conscious of things like, um, you know, we're on a commercial TV show, yes. so therefore we know that we've got to hit commercial breaks and things like that. Yeah, the but I I must admit, I sort of um, leave it up to the to the network executives to... Tell us what yeah, has to be. Yeah, yeah, let the market decide. We, you know, we develop a lot of things and then you try and figure out where to take them to and I guess you just have to trust that 
that it, I, I, it was definitely at the back of my mind when we were developing this that um, it it could work for um, commercial okay. free-to-air because because it's a you know it's it's sort of a relationship comedy which is quite a popular genre and also um, it had a broad um, swathe of characters different you know they're all diverse Ages. different classes yep. different backgrounds and that's good for getting a broader audience so I do I guess I do sometimes have that at the back of my mind You're what's going to work of it but it's yeah. not, you don't write to it yeah. If there's a happy accident, as as was in this case, where you look at the five different characters and go, oh, terrific, we're ticking lots of different demographic boxes, that's great, but it came from a place of genuine, you know, mm. genuine wanting to tell the story mm. And, mm. and not really paying much attention to how much the bods out mm. in commercial TV land. We certainly will panic about the ratings once the show starts. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially in this day and age. Yeah, oh, no, I'm panicked right now. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about... Um writers working ex- as executive producers as well mm. is there a downside oh my word yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it, the downside simply is um just the time management because on other shows for example, i was on offspring for years and was a script producer so it had um you know a, a a huge workload with that, but then once you factor in that you've got to be in all the edits and all the sound mixes and the grades and, and things like that, it's and, just yeah. just going to the various screenings alone is a full time job. It let is. alone having to write on Notes top of it. So on every single pass at every single stage, on the composer's first pass, the second pass, yeah. the sound spot, it really it's a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah, and because we co-wrote all the scripts with the with the exception of Matilda's script. Um, it, it it also meant that um, there wasn't ever a time where it's like, oh, that's Christine's episode over there. Yeah. I don't need to worry about that. Like we were we just we were, were across, across everything, and yeah. it sort of becomes a bit almost mathematically impossible for you to be across everything yeah. you need to be across. Particularly when it was when the first block had been shot and was going into post production, and the rushes were coming in, and we were still working on live scripts for the yeah. you know, for the final block. So it was kind of ex- reaching back into the pre-production and, and the production and also forward into the post and that that that's that was a, the hell mouth yeah that was that's been a fun juggle <laughs> i would love to know how people uh, i mean in the u.s they've got to do a lot of delegating how does the like the guy that did mad men how physically could he do it all no he couldn't he must have minions mm, yeah must <laughs> he must Possibly. And there's also, there is, frankly, a little bit of a... Um, with Australian television, I would say that production crews and everything at this stage aren't necessarily used to writers that, you know, say the whole way. And you no. could can, can sort of feel a little bit of, at the start oh, of, my oh, word. Oh, yeah. oh, you're coming into this. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. uh, OK. What are you doing? But we, you know... Have we got to give you a chair? <laughs> I mean, how long are you staying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not going to talk, are you? Yeah. But by the end, that had all been... That had, you know. Mostly, yeah. We, we, <laughs> we broke it down. We did. We wore them down. We did. The, um, the, so you mentioned before if it gets a, a second season, mm. um, do you, do you ha- have any sort of rough of what might happen then or is, is that something you'd really just... You've been so busy getting this one away. We've been a little bit busy and, and not really, but at the same time... I know it sounds wanky and I'm sure everyone says it, but we really did fall in love with all these characters and we fell in love with the world. And the one thing that, something that the lovely Cat Stewart reminded us of is all brought to our attention, 
there's a real sense of family and kinship that's grown and I know everybody says it but this was a bit special there was a feeling of kindness around the set that was just delightful so we can't stop ourselves basically Mm. we're knackered and it's probably 80% complete crap but we've already started storylining because we we're, yeah. we're in love with the characters. And, and you just think, oh, what do I want to yeah. see? And not even... I mean, the main five are exceptional, but... Oh, the seconds, yeah, go Yeah. Oh, We've got, you know, go Roz go. Hammond from um, Mad as Hell has, has this amazing support role that she's done for us. And Alan Jukes oh. is a fantastic actor. Alan the, Jukes is Johnny exceptional. Carr, Johnny Carr, Kate Jenkinson. Yeah. So we, the, we were ringing each other as tired as we were, saying, oh, what would happen if, <laughs> you know... Yeah, we can't tell you. No. Um, but, yeah, we've got some some thoughts already. Yeah. Okay. Um, reviews. It's probably a bit early yet to talk about reviews for five bedrooms, but your experiences on your previous work, yeah. how much do you think is that um, a part of, of whether a show is, is a success or not? Um, Audience-wise, I guess. No, I'm not talking critical success, oh, right. but sort of... Um, I don't think it helps. If and is people, there a... <laughs> if people call oh, look, it... We, we look at the Twitter, there's no question. Oh, we do. We, and I, yeah, we try not to, but we do look at the Twitter. But there is a good history of shows that have been smashed by critics that have actually done mm. pretty well. Oh, That's I remember true. when Offspring began, um, Twitter was relatively new at that point. And I remember, uh, in fact, after the first episode screened of Offspring was the first time I ever went on Twitter. And by that, there was about 100 tweets. Oh, it was and that was scathing. It was mm. horrible. It was just... <laughs> I mean, it was wrist-slashing stuff. Mm. And then plus there was... T- I had... When my first episode, which was my first episode of television ever, went to... I just got eviscerated. In- so did I, though. Everyone. Yeah, with second oh, season. Oh, no. Oh, my... That review I had. <laughs> it was Jim Shembury. It Bloody was. Jim Shembury. He started talking about a scene in Marathon Man where Dustin Hoffman gets, like, a drill stabbed into his face <laughs> and killed. And it was like a really vivid long description and he sort of said, we will never know how much pain that character in, but watching this episode of Offspring gives you a pretty good idea. And that was the first review I'd ever had in a national publication. So I thought, well, this show's going to be on for five minutes and my career's (laughs) over. And then... Seven years later. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it matters, but then I think I've learned... It does matter, but it's also... Even if it's positive, I can't hear it. Yeah. So I, if you say something nice, I'm just going to think, well, you're a dickhead. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Or you're just saying that because oh, no, you think I want nice things said. No, no, that's no? just the truth of who I am. <laughs> um, Mine can verify that for you. It is true. Um, she can yeah. find the, not the, the silver lining. No, the, I can the, find the opposite. I can, oh, really? Yeah, I can, I can find the, the rain Dark cloud. The yeah, anyway. Um, and I, yeah, so if someone says something nice, I can't hear it. If they say something not nice... I can. I can hear it. <laughs> and okay. I can take it on board and carry it around with me for decades. <laughs> um, but I don't. I've, I've, over the years, I've gotten to the point where it doesn't matter what yeah. anyone says. It well, I'm still ner- I like. I know I'm aware of the fact that, I mean, this goes up on the Tim website in a week, this week, I think. <gasps> and, then, and then there's, you know, and then there'll be all the public reviews. There was one little person who saw the episode in advance that um, that sneakily wrote something in some Perth newspaper and it was positive, thank God. And I remember clinging onto that going, oh, thank God, thank God. (laughs) It's terrible. They'll be clinging. But the truth is that watching the episodes, when the moments work, I'm going to love those moments, whether the whole world poo-poo car cars or not. That's true, yeah. So, and I'm also going to hate the bits 
Mm. <laughs> that, I, that I have hated no matter how much well I don't I think Jim uh, Shembury's writing TV critics any, uh, criticism anymore for interesting people who, for people who don't know he's ex <laughs> the age down in Melbourne um, I think he worked on 3AW maybe still does a bit of uh, critical work for and AW obviously sure, it was uh, a very well written review, entertaining review just not for me yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very generous <laughs> I didn't enjoy it at all now when uh, it's probably not a career choice a lot of people would say look I want to be a a TV writer. No. <laughs> was there a stage when you a you wanted to, you thought I'll give this a crack, and then b where you thought you could make a living out of it? Yes, what? there were both. Because I presumably one came before the other, unless they just both happened at once. And they did pretty much did both happen at once. Well, though we came to it from very different. We did. Mike came the right way, uh-huh. <laughs> and I came through the back door. <laughs> As I do all my travelling, um, I Mike went to film school. Do you want me to tell your story? Yes, and, go on. Um, let's see. Let's see if you get it wrong. I, I rec- yeah, I will. Um, he was a champion. He was a standout star pupil at film school, uh-huh. and breezed through. And this, this afters. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The best one. That's where. But I, I was in. I was already doing screenwriting. Oh, you'd already done it. And no, 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 no. I mean, I, was, I came in as a screenwriter. Yes, to film you did. No, yeah. he, no, Mike knew. So what you he wanted was doing. to do that? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I did initially. Sorry, now I'm just taking over. No, take <laughs> it, take it. I was going to do Baz Luhrmann next. In oh, the well done. Yeah, take anyway, it. Go ahead. I, um, you take it. I did. Was interested in film and TV just in general, and then in my first degree, I, I just got more attention for the writing subjects than anything else. So at first, I think like most people, I thought, oh, I'd love to be Steven Spielberg. That's what I want to be. Why not? <laughs> but I found that my writing subjects were the ones that uh, you know I would enter competitions and and get little you know win. certificates and things. <laughs> win. Yes. So I, it just felt, seemed that I was better at doing that than than any of the other disciplines. So I studied screenwriting, and I was at film school studying screenwriting at about twenty three, and so I was Jesus. pretty one eyed. I was still then. going out, getting drunk, waking up, that wondering where I was. <laughs> no, no, but you you were doing clever things with your life, pedal. I was just squandering. Sure. But that's all right. I, I had a different experience. Uh-huh. I, I just did a short film that did okay for me and on the back of that I got to do a feature which is where I met Mike and and that's where my life began. Her short film, she acted in it as well. It's called Tickler. It's on YouTube. It that was came runner-up in um, Trotfest. Sorry. Yep, that's <laughs> coming worth back. Worth Googling. That's coming back to you, Mike. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was really low. <laughs> Mike's also done some acting. <laughs> and Yeah, you have. Yeah. I know you were in a film. I haven't seen it, but I'm... I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Okay, well, good luck. Can I do a, can I do a post note on this interview? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely, we can add that to, to So neither of you ever had a cameo in any of these? Oh, or? no, I Michael I've James has, yeah. Have you? He's, I mean, not. No, I don't. Oh, no, you and I have had a cameo together yeah. in your film. It was electrifying. We played star-crossed lovers. Okay. And I don't think... By a cameo, she means we're extras in the background. In a party yeah. sequence, we yeah. had to pretend to make out. Sure, and I don't, I don't think we made the cut. Did no. we? <laughs> we did, we did. I did no, it. I always end up... Not on this show, strangely, but certainly on... I, one of my first TV shows was Tangle... And um, I played a waiter that was abused by Ben Mendelsohn. God, you were good. But I just stood, I didn't have a line. Didn't And then on Offspring, I just sort of played random gay men. House buyers. Yeah, and house buyers. That's true. Yeah, at the auction. I think I popped up in most series of Offspring. And I would love to think they wanted to involve me, but it was more that, I mean, I'm already on the payroll, so if they whack (laughs) me there. It's not true. It's your ridiculous charisma. (laughs) And I was in Party Tricks. 
Do you yeah, remember? We yeah, were, you were a supporter of Roger yeah, Corsa. my word, I was. You were a young Team Rog. Yeah, no, that was a bit of miscasting, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I sat with Michael's beautiful mother that day. <laughs> yeah, I get my family in. Okay. Yeah, not me. Yeah, okay. My family, not not so much. You've um, So you're working with Hoodlum on this. You've worked a fair bit in the past, I think, with John Edwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. Imogen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um is there, and you've had a different experience, I guess, working on Rosehaven, mm. which is different again. Um, that's production company run by... Uh, um, well, Andy Walker's the producer and Kevin yeah, White. Kevin White, of course. Yeah. He's, he's got a successful little... Um, yeah. Oh, now yeah. Of shows that are all doing very well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. Who? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, my roundabout point I was getting to was, do you notice differences to companies work differently or is there sort of uh, oh yeah 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 terrifying as, <laughs> as hoodlum i'm guessing hoodlum might be a bit different to maybe working with john edwards and yeah well i mean well for one thing on, on this production uh, nathan and tracy well nathan is um brisbane based and tracy is In la the, based LA, yeah uh and so they're more executive producers mm-hmm. and we and pino amenta was the sort of in-house producer um so they obviously were, you know, got the show up and everything, and then and then were enormously creative involved in terms of notes on everything. But I suppose one difference would be when you're working with particularly Imogen Banks, she's the very much the hands-on producer as mm. well, and is there in Absol- the office going over every to- and in the story hands-on. room as well, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's so much a part of the plotting and the brainstorming. She's very, very creatively involved. It, it feels like it, it's just different on every with every production company and also with every mm. show. I mean the term producer is can mean so many different things depending on totally. how people want to approach it. And then Kevin White approaches it in a completely different way again where, I mean, he sort of more get, puts the package together, gets it up and then lets his, his, his stable of talent run it themselves. That sounds good. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> a lot of TV that gets made these days has an eye for the sort of international market. Mm. A hoodlum have done very well working outside of Australia. Mm. Um, Kevin White, I think, has done very well getting mm. a lot of his shows placed with cable networks elsewhere, particularly mm. in the US, I think. I see. I think it was Sky Vision noted as a distributor yeah. for mm. five bedrooms. Is, is that something Hoodlum would have attracted to them, This that the thought that this could do well internationally? Oh, yeah. Very much so. And, yeah. and they've been aboard, um, you know, for... I think they were they were expressing interest even before Ten's involvement. Yeah, they were, and um, and they've been incredible partners for the production. They really have. Um, and then you know they've, I think they've just taken it to to MIP and and um, even before they had episodes to screen, there was a sales trailer and everything okay. put together. But yeah. I mean, these day, Nathan and Tracy are, are um, incredibly good salespeople they and really are. and incredibly internationally focused. Um, so in this instance, they also, obviously, as you've mentioned, have a bit of a business in in developing a project in Australia and then doing international adaptations, and that was considered for this as well. But um, but Sky is so heavily involved; it's almost like they're well, they're not heavily involved in terms of the the day to day no production, but they're certainly partners. Yeah, very much partners, and and um, yeah, and that's a hundred percent Nathan and Tracy. Yeah. And we want the Americans to have to watch us. Yeah. Watch the Australian accent. Yeah, they still wouldn't understand half the storylines. No, <laughs> that's the one thing that Sky's weighed in on is can they... Can they... Um... Be less Australian. No, well... No, no. No, can they just... Diction. Just diction. Diction, yes. Yeah. 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 
so so they so this Australian uh, what you film would sell could they also sell a format I do you think I, yeah, I, I think that both things are pretty much on, on the table. table. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because it's yeah. a good idea, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we have We've, already, like in the early stages, and this is the great thing about Hoodlum, is not only were they at some point speaking to Australian broadcasters, at, at, at one point we were speaking to um, US executive yeah. producers as well mm. who were giving us all sorts of cultural notes and who definitely felt like it could translate. Yes, they did. That was. Yeah. In fact, there was a period of time where we honestly, it could have gone either way. We didn't know whether they were going to pursue getting it up in the States or mm. here and then 10, 10 thankfully... Um, swept in. Swept in. Yeah. So it ended up being Australia, but could just as easily have been the US and and maybe will. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll maybe, see what happens. Maybe. Fascinating. All right, look, we're talking five bedrooms. It's going into the um, drama slot. It has to be Wednesday nights, really, doesn't it? Because that's mm. what um, all these good shows and most of the ones you worked on, I guess, mm-hmm. have been on Wednesday nights. And um, strangely, um, Rosehaven too goes out. I know. Oh, that's going to be a tough Wednesday. night. Yeah. <laughs> no, there have been times where I've had been working on two shows that were in that Wednesday night slot that were airing at the same time, which is awkward. You really have, haven't you? Anyway. So um, five singles. Yes. Bunked down together to save some money and um, mayhem ensues, right? Exactly. Yes. Hilarity <laughs> ensues. Hijinks. Heartbreak and as shenanigans. Well. Yeah. Can you, was there like, what do they call it, an elevator pitch or something? Was there a, a line that... Oh, that, not um, one that we ever felt happy with. <laughs> there was a, although, you know the one that I still remember from when I was first describing it that cut through? The way I remembered saying it from the get-go that got God. interested was that I would reference Four Weddings and a Funeral and That's I would strong. say, remember yeah. the gang of friends from Four Weddings and a Funeral? Well, what if instead of them all marrying off at the end, they stay single and buy a house together? And, and that seemed to... People then could see the exact sort of spread of characters that we were talking about because I guess one of the tricky things in the pitch has been making it clear that um, you know you have these shows like fantastic shows like Secret Life of Us but they all are the same age and yes. and really the fact that they're all living together is just the backdrop to all sorts of other drama whereas this is this, this is the drama yeah the yeah. drama is having the purchasing to leave of the life. house and yeah. the, the cohabitation is our story engine so Absolutely. that yeah the four weddings and a funeral gang but they buy a house together was was sort of the the one that totally so it's even more it's it's impossible to escape yeah. So from this social group that you'd normally just trot on home to your own private apartment, th- there's mm. no <laughs> there's no privacy in this house. None. No, there is. But there's not. No, it's delightful. <laughs> but it is that. I've got to be careful saying saying because you'll you'll identify me being as I'm um, saying the wrong thing. But look, I hope it's it. Me. I That's hope. what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. Um, I, I I'm sure it'll find an audience. Before I let you. Um, Christine and uh, Michael go. What's next? Have you got other projects that you've you've had you've been working on, or that you'll get back to, or or mm. that you will start? Yeah. So there's always the, <laughs> or you've, there's always a few things you've got to have. You know, a few irons. Yeah. I mean, I'm fires. we're waiting uh, to hear about another season of Rosehaven, which I'm okay. very much hoping we'll, we'll go again for a fourth. Not and so then, much me. I'm hoping it might just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, and, and I also um, have had a show in development at, with the ABC, the uh, 1980s set historical it's drama. Brilliant. That, that it's brilliant. Not, you haven't read it. Shut you up. Know. I'm trying to help you. Okay. <laughs> um, and anyway, I'm hoping, you know, that's again trying to lock in that international money that shows need now 
So I'm, oh, I've got my fingers crossed for that as well. We'll see. It's going to happen. Without yeah. wanting to delve into your finances, yeah. is, it, is it hard for the cash flow at all for, for being yes. a provider? Have you got a yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you've perked up all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it is when you've got a teenager. By God, it is. It's because you, you've got to try and juggle, right, when yeah. you're going to get paid for projects, I guess. To, uh, to be honest, happily for, for the last little while, the last few years at least, um, initially it was very much peaks and troughs so you'd be very very busy and then unemployed for three months um and the unemployment stuff has stopped and now it's just the very very busy stuff so mm. it's touch wood it's, it's been terrific for and by terrific i mean bloody horrible just yeah. <laughs> so much work and so little happiness but lots of happiness in the job sure um but no it's it's been touch wood it's been I th- what tends to happen, I guess, is obviously the ideal is to get at, like this, a show that we've developed together and created on and we're across all the episodes. But if there's downtime, we both pick up es- episodes of other shows and sweep into... I've been very lucky to write episodes of Wentworth and The Wrong Girl and shows like that where I'm not... Um, you know, I'm in no way a producer or a creator no, or anything like that. You're but a blow-in. Can, can, yeah, blow-in and, yeah. and, and, and tied myself over. Love it. it. Yes. I do the same thing. Yeah. I love the blow-in. <laughs> it's one of my favourite ways to get in. blow-in. Fantastic. All right, look, it's five bedrooms. It's on Network 10. If you can't watch it live, you can, of course, get it on 10 Play. It's all about on demand these days. Yes. Um, Michael Lucas, Christine Bartlett, thanks for joining us. Thanks oh, for thanks having so us. Thanks so much for having us.